Elementary music teacher friend, you love what you do, but you might feel unappreciated and, in fact, unseen some days. You may even feel like you're on a music teacher island and just want to connect with other music teachers who can relate to both your struggles and wins when it comes to teaching elementary music. I get you and understand completely the feelings you're having. That's why each and every week, the Elementary Music Teacher Podcast will provide you with solo and guest episodes that will help you realize you're not alone in your music teaching journey. Throughout each episode, my goal is for you to be able to walk away with actionable steps and ideas to help you feel like you're ready to take on the new week with whatever challenges may be thrown your way. Hi, I'm your host, Jessica Peresta, and I'm so glad you're here. Whether you're at home, in your car, in the shower, or wherever else you're listening, grab your cup of coffee or whatever other beverage is nearby and listen in to the Elementary Music Teacher Podcast. I'm Angela Kelly Robeck, host of the Empowered Principal Podcast, a part of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. I cannot believe this is episode 200. So excited to celebrate. And the first way we're celebrating is with this episode, of course. So this episode's a bit different where it's still my podcast, but Jessica Grant came on the podcast to interview me. She did not tell me what questions she was asking ahead of time. She did not share with me any notes. I had no idea what was going to come out of her mouth. (laughs) So I was kind of caught off guard a few times as you'll be able to hear, but it was really fun answering questions about the podcast, how it got started, why I'm doing it, uh, what's in the future, what, what it holds for me, and just answering other questions that she asked. So that is so much fun. I I absolutely love that. And I kind of want to do this again with another episode in the future, have someone else come on and interview me about something. But the other way we're celebrating is a giveaway. I announced in episode 199, I'm giving away two copies of my book, Make a Note, What You Really Need to Know About Teaching Elementary Music, and two 30-minute one-on-one coaching calls with me as well. The way to enter the giveaway is by tagging me either on Instagram at Jessica Peresta or on Facebook. My Facebook page is The Domestic Musician or even on Twitter. You can find me on there, The Domestic Musician as well. And tag me and share a favorite episode. Screenshot one of the episodes you really loved, you got a lot from. You can create your own post and share it to your social media. You can tag me on an Instagram story. And just an encouraging note, talk about a favorite episode, or just talk about the podcast overall and what you've enjoyed about listening to the past 200 episodes. Maybe you haven't listened to every single one and that's okay, but just tell me what you love about the podcast. And actually another way to insert your name in the giveaway is tag a friend, tag a friend on the podcast, um, share with them when you're tagging me, tag a friend along with that and let them know they should listen in as well. And I appreciate your support so much. So without further ado, let's hop right into today's episode, which is actually episode 200. 
Welcome back to the podcast. Today's episode is a little bit different and I'm so excited. I actually have someone on here today who's going to be interviewing me on my podcast. So Jessica Grant is here. If you're not familiar with who she is, she is the host of the High Afternoon Tea podcast and she is going to be interviewing me for the 200th episode of the Elementary Music Teacher podcast. I have no idea what she's going to ask me, and I'm so excited about that. And I also interviewed her on her podcast, so go and listen to that episode for her 200th episode, and you'll get to find out all kinds of information about Jessica. So without further ado, I'm going to hand the reins over and let Jessica ask me questions today. This is such a wild thing, interviewing someone for their <laughs> podcast. <laughs> like, we got two Jessicas celebrating mm -hmm. 200th episode, and... The whole goal is just for your listeners to learn something new about you, connect with you, get an idea of the work that you do if this is their first time listening. So I hope that the questions I've selected will will do that. I'm excited to get to know you better in this way. So this will be fun. So I prepared it with about 12 questions and then eight fun activities of uh, this or that. Okay, awesome. Give your listeners an idea of who you are. And so I started off the first one with this question, which is how would you describe yourself in three words? Oh my goodness. Well, I just said, oh my goodness. So maybe that. Oh yeah. my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So let's see. Sarcastic, introvert, which when I say that word, people are like, what? And then <laughs> this putting me on the spot stuff is hard. Isn't it hard? Supportive. We'll say supportive. Mm. So I love to support yeah. others. Okay. Yeah. Supportive, introverted. What was my first one? Sarcastic or just Sarcastic. fun? Fun. I love yeah. that. I love that. I could see. I don't know if the sarcasm comes through as much in the podcast. I feel like you're a little more like <laughs> to the point. I would love to see more of the sarcastic <laughs> come through. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But that's hard to get across in podcast episodes. Oh, without. totally like being like is she being rude or is she being funny yes yeah, yeah exactly. i love that yeah you don't have to be extroverted to be somebody who makes a podcast yeah i think introverts get i want to say a bad rap just misunderstood where you think an introvert is just someone who doesn't like to talk doesn't like to form relationships doesn't like to have a good time but you already spoke about this on your episode where it depends on the situation where I love everything I do in my business. I love podcasting. I love connecting with other people, whether online or in person. But I can tell when I've reached my mental capacity of, you know, working or whatever it might be or being a mom and I need alone time. And my husband understands that about me. <laughs> so luckily, for, lucky for that. Um, but yeah, that's. You can definitely be a podcaster and be an introvert because honestly, it's perfect because you are just using your voice and you don't have to show your face. And and then when you're done, if you have just mentally exhausted all of your energy, you can just be done. <laughs> you just walk into the other room. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so this kind of ties in then. So being introverted. I wonder if you ever thought I would love to do a podcast and go out there and share with a lot of people. Uh, you 
have done several podcasts actually, not just the Elementary Music Teacher podcast, but several other ones over the years. So what was it that made you think, I need to do a podcast? Mm -hmm. This is such a funny question because it is never anything that was on my radar. When I started my whole business six years ago and I started with a blog and the blog was going strong, I still write blog posts, but it was my main way of getting content into the world in front of readers because that's who consumes a blog post. It was this app called Anchor. I don't know if you've heard of the Anchor app that kind of I heard about in a roundabout way through a friend. And she's like, hey, and at the, at the time, it wasn't a podcasting platform. But she said, there's this new app called Anchor. And it's really neat because you can just record like five minute snippets and let people get to know you. And I was like, oh, well, I can do that. That's cool. So I literally at first and those I don't think those episodes are there anymore because they weren't really an episode. I would just go on there. And at the time, it wasn't even called my podcast. It was just I don't even remember what I called it. Like a, it was like a channel kind of thing. And I would record just these short hey, today, I just wanted to share this with you. Da, da, da. Hope you have a great day and got off. Then they transitioned to being a podcasting platform and are now owned by Spotify. Once I started seeing that transition happen, and it was kind of, I'm kind of grateful for those little five minute snippets. It got yeah. me comfortable with knowing, okay, well, this is kind of what a podcaster does, even though I had no idea what was going on. And I just started out by just recording those five minutes from my phone. It was a phone app. Then when it turned into a podcasting platform and I thought, I've been wanting a way to reach maybe not even a new audience, but re reach my audience in a new way where I love providing the content they can read. But for people who want to consume content by listening, whether it's in their car, in their house, wherever, I would love to put a podcast out there to be able to provide this for them. There's so many amazing podcasts out there, including yours. And I, I thought, but is it needed? Do they need, do, does the world need another music education podcast? And I had a mentor of mine say, but Jessica, there's only one you. There's only one, your story, your perspective, your voice. And I thought, well, I mean, what's the worst that can happen? I get no listeners. At least I'm still putting my words out there for whoever needs to hear it, even if it is just 10 people. And that was okay with me. So the podcast slowly transitioned that way from these five minute snippets to an actual podcast where I was planning, like, how do I do it? Do I use Anchor, which I do use? It wasn't really one of the most well-known podcast platforms. It turned into turned into one slowly, but then I didn't know how to do show notes. I didn't know how to put the podcast. What, what do I even use to record the episodes? What microphone do I need? All those things. I didn't know what I was doing. Then you slowly just start learning that or take courses to teach you or research online. And so that's how it started, just very slowly with me sharing five-minute episodes that turn into uh, an actual podcast where now I love it and I can't imagine not having it. So it's a fun story because people just think, oh, she decided to start a podcast. It was kind of a roundabout, weird way that I don't think I've ever shared that with people before. <laughs> I love that you started with five-minute snippets because there's not any big pressure behind it to have like a, an outline of things to say or, you know, a specific large topic to talk on. You're just sharing your thoughts, sharing who you are, sharing music education ideas in these tiny pieces mm -hmm. and then going, if I can do this little piece, I can do something more. Right. So it's like it built your confidence to try something new. Yes, exactly. That's so cool. I do wonder, and this is not a question I had planned, but I wonder, do you 
write out your entire episode like word for word or do you just write like bullet points? How do you plan your podcast episode? So there's a couple different ways I go about this. Uh, if it is just a podcast episode and I don't have a blog post that goes with it, I usually use bullet points. Then I, because I'm the type of person where I like to see the point, but then I love to go off cuff. Everybody can't do that. And sometimes there have been times where I've been like, I knew I wanted to say something else there, but I forgot. So I just take a pause. No, I'm going to cut that section out and then I keep going. <laughs> but for most, for the most part, it is bullet points with maybe sub bullet points under there. But sometimes it is a blog post that I'm turning into a podcast episode as well. And I don't read the blog post word for word. But if I already have that sectioned out, I will go by what the blog post says to make sure it kind of goes hand in hand. I do remember back in the day trying to use a teleprompter, one of the ones you can find online. And I... <laughs> I remember, I remember vividly, it was back in the, gosh, episode 20, 20-ish, something. And I remember, okay, people suggest using a teleprompter. So I remember typing out the whole episode, the entire thing, word for word. And I remember after it got to like the third to fifth line and it was going so fast and I kept trying to slow it down and it didn't matter how slow I had the teleprompter going. It still went so fast that I felt like I'm already a fast talker. And I have to warn people about that when they listen, because I am. My mom's from Louisiana. I have Cajun in me. I can't help it. Anyways, the thing was going so fast, I felt like I couldn't even keep up with what I was reading. And I went, I tried it once. I have a grad professor that had us use, <laughs> I had to do podcasting for one of his classes. And he required a teleprompter. And, and I was like, oh man, not this again. So anyways, <laughs> yes. Yeah, so for me personally, and I know this just totally differs from podcaster to podcaster, but I love just going by bullet points, knowing my main points and then going um, into detail about those. That's awesome. Yeah, there is no right way or wrong way. It's just what works for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What about the areas that you've grown in, not just even professionally, but possibly personally too, because I feel like as you create content, you grow in so many ways that you might not have even thought you'd grow in. But when you're hosting and planning podcast content, what are the areas that you've noticed growth in, in yourself? Yeah, well, it's hard to put yourself out there. <laughs> First of all, it's also hard to talk about topics that are maybe a bit deeper that you know it's on your heart to talk about, but you're just, you pray that it's coming across the right way, whether it is a solo episode or with a guest. Cause I've had a couple episodes that went really deep and, and I remember getting off of those and it was almost like, I felt like crying because I thought not because it, I was second guessing the episode, but just like, Oh man, that was deep. And I really hope the listeners understand what we were trying to talk about here. So I feel like I've grown in that area because when I first started, I remember not that the episodes, well, I won't, I don't know if they were good, but I know like episodes one through 10 probably were just like, <laughs> it was good content, like the topic itself was good, but I know I probably did not, I was just like very nervous or getting through it as quick as I could, where now I'm not afraid to kind of go off the cuff more or go a little deeper or share a story or talk about a tough issue where Jessica two years ago, I don't, I don't think I would have done that. I think I held back because of fear of what will others think or what if they're, they're judging me or what if they don't resonate with this or what if they don't think I am the person to talk about this. So I've grown in that area where I'm confident that I'm called to do this and 
I'm not, also not for everyone. I've gotten rid of the people pleaser mentality too, because I, I know I'm not for everyone. I know my podcast isn't for everyone. And when you kind of let that go and you know that it's okay, you can't please everyone uh, in all areas of my life. I've been that way with friendships, with family. And so when it comes to my podcast audience, I know I have a message to share and audience to help. And I also know when I mentioned earlier, there's other podcasts. That's I think that's a great thing because if I'm not for someone or the episodes I'm recording are not, there is a, someone else that is. And that's great. That that means that's who that person needs. But I think what held me back in those beginning episodes in those beginning years was because I was trying to please everyone and I was afraid of stepping on toes or, okay, I'm going to be very surface level. And that way, everybody everybody's getting something from this. And I, I know I've grown so much in that way because I've let a lot of that go and I've just really stepped more into who I am and just gotten more real. <laughs> so, and that's who people need yeah. is who you are. Yeah. Yeah. Good for you. That's that's such a learning moment that I think I'm still on that path mm -hmm. of, of learning too, which is crazy because as you get older you go why was I ever trying to please everybody like mm -hmm. there's no way that can happen anyway yeah but just getting to that point of going this is who I am this is what I'm creating and these are the people who are taking it and those are the people who need it yes so good for you for just being who you are yeah well thank you you are amazing <laughs> love it what is one of the best pieces of teaching advice that you have received Oh, that I received. Okay. I think I'm going to go all the way back to my first year teaching. I, I've shared this story so many times on this podcast, but I think when I think about, like when I talk about it, it's so just, I started in the middle of the school year, school didn't have music for seven years, no resources and all these things. But when you really stop to think about it, like I'm sharing the story, just like it's a story, but it was real life hard didn't know what I was doing, brand new out of college, no one to help me. And so I didn't know who else to turn to. So I had just finished student teaching that fall. So my cooperating teacher, I remember those words ringing in my head, reach out to me if you ever need anything. And I, lo and behold, she probably didn't think that meant two weeks later. And I was yeah. like, so I did get a teaching position <laughs> and here's the situation. And I remember her, we were on the phone and she said, Jessica, don't worry about what you don't have, but worry about what you do have. And I said, well, what do you mean by that? And she said, all your students have voices and they have bodies. You may not have instruments. You may not have all the teaching resources. You may not have cute posters to hang up. You may not have money to spend, but just get the kids singing and moving. And I remember, what? What do you mean? Because you, you in your classroom, I just left this amazing classroom and all these awesome recorders and we did xylophone activities and I helped her put on this amazing patriotic program. And then I went to this situation and it was just such a mind shift, but she was even just like, you don't have to be where I am right now. So the other piece of advice she gave me, which actually stuck with me, you know, those those people that speak into your life, she said, don't compare, which I've shared this with people on my podcast, because it's what someone said to me, don't compare your beginning to someone else's middle or end. Because I think that's what I was trying to do was like, I should be here by now. 
but I was not. I was very, 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 very at the beginning. So those are the two pieces of advice that that mentor teacher gave me. She was my cooperating teacher that I needed to give me that very, very first push to keep me going on those hard days, weeks, years. And those kids that needed you, that had you, were not at the same place maybe where her kids were, where she had been with them for a while. Mm-hmm. So they didn't need that teacher who had all the equipment, had all this practice. They needed you. Right. They just needed you. Mm-hmm. And she was so absolutely right. They can sing and they can move. Mm-hmm. And if you have nothing else, that's enough. Right. Yeah. I think even for those of us, like my school has, we're very fortunate to have a lot of instruments and things, but yet that can become such a crutch compared to having them use the things that are always with them. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, uh, yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's good. That's good. Because if it's taken away, um, yeah. I actually know a teacher personally whose school, you know, they had a flood and a lot mm-hmm. of stuff was damaged and, um, I just know for her, it was hard to move forward from that. Well, for a lot of reasons, but when she lost most of her instruments and she was like, well, what do I do? And so it was nice being able to help her with that being like, yes, this situation sucks. And I'm not going to lie to you. That's hard building up your program and then losing all. But at the same time, I was able to share that piece of advice with her. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Great advice. And so helpful in so many ways to think about. Mm hmm. What a wise mentor. Yeah, right? So wise. <laughs> yeah. So this question takes kind of a shift. and oh, Well, I guess it could be a shift, but your life, you do so many things. You juggle so many areas. And I'm curious if there's something that you do every single day because your life takes on lots of different roles, lots of different hats, but is there something that you do every single day that either you find helpful for you or helpful for your family or just that you enjoy? Okay. So not to sound generic, but prayer, (laughs) that is something where that's a non-negotiable for me. It doesn't matter if I have to get up before my family, if I'm squeezing it in before my kids go to school, or if it's where sometime before I'm going to bed at night, I I can tell the days where I am not praying about stuff because I get very overwhelmed and stressed because I do have a lot I'm juggling. So that's non-negotiable and something that happens every day for me. And I would say the other thing, which I mentioned at the beginning is I, and this is not, and I want to tell people, I've had a whole episode about self-care where it's not selfish to know what you need. And your personality, there's going to be some people who do not ever need alone time because you thrive on being an extrovert. I have a, I have a son that that's who's that way, which is crazy to me. But anyways, I, I have to have alone time every day. It doesn't mean it has to be hours upon hours, but I know even if it's 10 minutes that day, I know there's, if I can tell I've been going, 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 because sometimes I even work through lunch and I know that I need to sometimes step away from the computer. Maybe it's going to sit outside. Maybe it's going on a walk. Maybe it's just sitting without any technology in front of me whatsoever. I need some quiet time every day, or I can tell that I get really overwhelmed and anxious. So those two things I would say. So can I ask you what prayer time looks like for you? Cause that mm-hmm. some people have like books of prayers or there there's like the book, Jesus calling where there's mm-hmm. a one page devotional with 
scripture in it or some sometimes like what I've done is write out my prayers because I really have I end up falling asleep you know <laughs> it's like only like yeah. laying in bed and praying and so what does your prayer life look like mm -hmm. because that may be helpful for someone else who's like yeah. well how do you even pray yeah yeah so I recently I would say in the last six months I noticed my heart was really heavy about a lot where different teachers even I've been mentoring, whether it's one-on-one -on -one or in a group setting. And I just was like, oh my gosh, I'm so overwhelmed. But then I thought, well, I don't want to forget to pray for them. So I started writing their names, specific names down in a journal behind me on this wall. I have teachers that are currently in my membership site. I pray for them every day. I So I, in my journal, will write down prayers. And when those prayers get answered, or I feel like it's been lifted off my heart, I'll cross it off. That is something that is very important to me. And also I do have different devotional books. I wouldn't say there's one go-to. Um, it just kind of depends. Sometimes I'm in different Bible studies with other women or uh, Proverbs 31 is a, a ministry I followed for a while and I get their email straight to my inbox and I love super quick actionable things that are not too hard to consume and their their messages are always spot on and usually what i'm needing that day and the other thing um my church has started doing devotionals that they have an app and they'll post it to the app and those are really short as well so i love things that are easy to read where they're easy to digest and also um i can pray about whatever's going on in my own life but i love keeping a journal where i can pray for others too and I also pray with my kids. So important too. And my husband. Yeah. Sometimes the prayer with my girls is the most meaningful prayer of my day. Mm -hmm. Just even if they don't utter a word, just it can be really special to do that with your kids. And yeah, um, yeah we don't have to complicate prayer. Yeah. It, I love that idea of writing it down, but then crossing it off. Not yeah. like you've forgotten it, but mm -hmm. more like, okay, mm -hmm. you know what that, that's not a need right now or that's something not as heavy on my heart and I'm going to focus on mm -hmm. praying for those. So that's yeah. Awesome. Well, and the other thing is, I'm just going to be honest. There's some days I don't have time for the focus, sit down for a long time in prayer and have a Bible study. I just want to keep it real with everyone. There's going to be days like that where you're just exhausted. And I think God understands. And so for me, prayer is also your daily life like praying as I go throughout the day, like, God, this is stressful right now. I'll take this off my plate or, um, oh, you know, one of my kids is on my heart during the day or whatever it might be. And like you said, it doesn't have to be complicated. It can be short, sweet to the point, just like you would talk to a friend. And so that's how I view it as well. I love that. So a couple more questions before the this or that. Speaking of family, you have a wonderful husband, Grant, mm -hmm. and three boys. You've got a dog. You're juggling a entrepreneurial career and so juggling all that you have going on i would love to know what something is that you would say to other moms or even other dads out there who are working and raising children you know doing this job as a music educator or an educator who's teaching other educators and your position is kind of unique because you're always home like mm -hmm. your work is in your home, mm -hmm. but it's also entrepreneurial work, which is different than being in yeah. a school setting. And then you're juggling the needs of your family. And of course you want to be with them and loving them and the needs of your, mm -hmm. you know, taking care of a house and just how, how you do all that blows my mind. But what 
things you would say to other parents who are juggling life like that? Absolutely. Okay. So first of all, you're going to laugh at me. Jessica, we have three dogs now. What? <laughs> I no, know. Like two. I know. Okay. No. So <laughs> one it, for each boy. It is crazy. So <laughs> I, okay. So our, and then I'll answer your question. Our 12 and a half year old dog is just getting older and wants to be left alone. So we got a two year old. He's two now. We got a puppy during COVID like everybody else. And, um, we were already planning to get another dog. It just happened to be during the COVID puppy rush anyway. So he's two now. And I can tell he wants to play with our old dog so much and she wants nothing to do with him. She's nice to him, but she's just, she's hurting and has like arthritis now. And so we got another puppy like a month ago. <laughs> so it's actually been okay. They play outside all day and they're fine. But yes, yeah, so it's, it's a lot. But anyways, um, one of the biggest pieces of advice I give moms or dads listening to this is let go of guilt that you I'm speaking to myself here too, that maybe you put on yourself. You cannot be 100% in all areas at all times. I recently, I think I, I actually did a, I might have done a podcast episode about this, but I know one of the presentations I gave at a workshop this summer was about balance. And oh, the way I view balance, I, I, I reframe it where it's not balancing everything is equal in your life at all times. Of course, your family comes first. I don't mean like that, you know, it's going to fall underneath anyone else. But sometimes for my life, there's going to be days or nights I need to record a podcast episode. I'm also in grad school right now. There's going to be assignments due whether I like it or not. There's going to be times I have a meeting I have to have or something I have to work on. I'm also doing curriculum and development or whatever else. My feet are in a lot of different fires and I... I think the biggest thing for me is just communication with my family is that's the first thing I want to say is communication with my family, letting them know I need to do this thing. I will be done around this time and then I will put you to bed or then I'll go outside and play with you or then we will read a book together. The other thing, like I said earlier, is give yourself grace. But I also want to say to working moms or dads is it's okay to have passions outside of being a parent. I was a stay-at-home mom for four years because we moved from Oklahoma. And I think I've shared this story before. We moved from Oklahoma and my school closed. And then it actually ended up burning to the ground. So that, that school was done. Um, we moved here and I thought I was going to get another teaching position, found out I was pregnant with our third son. So I transferred my teaching certificate and all the things. But then I felt like... Finding out my oldest has autism. My middle son had seven food allergies at the time and then about to have another baby. It was just not the season. And I knew that and I knew it would be hard. We didn't know how we were going to make it work, but we knew this is just what I'm need needing to do right now. Um, but I remember in that season of being a stay-at-home mom, <laughs> I felt very conflicted because I thought, I'm seeing all these other stay-at-home mom friends love it. They love it. This is their calling. This is their passion. And I knew for me, did not mean I didn't like being a mom. It did not mean I did not love my boys. But I felt like I started using losing my creativity and losing my all oh, those years I'd worked so hard <laughs> to become a teacher. And once I got back into working in a way I never thought it would be a job, I felt like, I don't know, like this is what lights me up just as much as being a mom. I, I knew I needed both for myself. Some moms are not built that way. For me, I was. 
But I think that's okay to have multiple passions because everyone's built differently. And if you are a mom and you're like, if you're working and then you're not with your kids and you're feeling guilt about that, let that go because your child is being taken care of. My son, when I was a teacher, went to the best at-home daycare in the world. She loved him like he was her own and he had friends there and it was exciting, sent me pictures. And then when I was off work, then I was in mom mode. When I was in front of my students, I was very focused on them. And so it's okay to be both. It's okay to love both and to have passions for both things and let the guilt go. You feel around things. It, your kids seeing you passionate about your work and seeing you so passionate about what you do, it's exciting to them. And my kiddos have learned so much about being an entrepreneur. They ask me questions all the time. They, um, one of them the other day said they Googled me, which was awkward and shared it with their teacher. But I was like, what the heck? What are you doing at school? Yes, that happened. And so, um, actually he right. said, I, he said, I Googled myself. And I said, well, why would you do that? He goes, I don't know. But then you came up and I'm like, what? Stop. Anyway, so it's just funny because they, they become part of your world. They want to know what you're doing. They get curious to learn from you. Even as a teacher, they want to know what you're doing and to be part of it. And those of you with babies and toddlers, it's hard. It's a hard season. Yeah. But you are a good parent. You are a good parent. You don't need to be with them all day because I really do think you having a job is good for you because you're, it's something you're passionate about. And then when you're with your kids, you're so excited to be with them. It's okay to miss them too. That was a long answer though. My gosh. No, it was good. <laughs> I, one of the things, cause I definitely struggled with the mom guilt hugely. And, uh, yeah, those little years are hard. But I think it also fosters an independence in them mm -hmm. that serves them well where they, I mean, at some point we do have to let them go and yeah. be their own people. And it's, it's a great thing for you to have a passion, to love your kids, but to also have a passion. Absolutely. Outside. Yes. You are very passionate about helping teachers and you designed and created your Harmony membership, which is such an amazing opportunity for teachers to get support, help from a community and lesson ideas. So what do you hope that teachers gain from their time with you in that Harmony membership? Oh my gosh, if I can just help teachers go from feeling overwhelmed to confident, even if it's just taking one step from where you are right now. That's my goal. It's because I know the loneliness you feel as a music teacher. You're a lot of times the only one in your school. A lot of times, if you do see the other music teachers in your district or at workshops, you don't have a lot of time to talk. And I know for me, I would shoot emails to other music teachers and they wouldn't get answered. Or when I did get answered, it was like a week or two later. And then by then I had already figured out the issue. But that's my goal is just for you to feel so supported to get mentorship you need to have a community rallying around you and to get resources that you need that maybe you're feeling stuck that's just my goal because everybody that comes into the membership site they need something different and so i've tried to design it in a way where you come in and you get out of it what you need in in fact when you come into it you're going to need something different at different times so um yeah that's my heart and passion, my gosh, for that. sure. So it's really individual focused, even though it's a group. Oh, 100%. Yeah, because when you come in, um, I developed what's called a success path, where you 
find where you are, what stage you're at. There's four stages. So you find where you're at on that stage and it will have many trainings under each stage and you start there. And in fact, it says, after you do this, do this. After you do this, go to this part. After you do this, then download a lesson plan. And that is why I set it up that way. There's a whole section that says start here for that reason. Awesome. And you do something special through not just your membership, site, but it is part of your membership, which is to help music nonprofit organizations. Can you share with us what some of those nonprofits are? Because those of us listening may want to pour our energies or financial support behind a nonprofit who is doing fabulous work in music education. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So my goal with this membership site, when I started it, I always knew I wanted to give back in some way because I know what it feels like to have no money and no resources. So first of all, we do give back twice a year in the membership site, once in the fall, once in the spring, and we take a vote. We will, first of all, ask the members, do you know a teacher? We always start individually. Do you know a teacher who needs right now? And so one time we did give to a teacher who had, a student had come in her classroom and had broken some of her instruments and things like that so of course we could not earn enough i mean earn raise enough money to replace the whole entire classroom set of instruments but um, we gave back what we could so she could get replenish something so individual teachers we're looking at um sometimes the the money is used to scholarship some to help teachers be able to join the membership site who maybe can't afford it but nonprofit wise We've given back to VH1 Save the Music Foundation, Mr. Holland's Opus Foundation, and Decolonizing the Music Room. There are so many amazing nonprofits out there, and I'm always keeping my eyes and ears open uh, to other opportunities because we love to give back as a group. So if anybody listening, and whether you're a Harmony member or not, please let me know of other nonprofits. Even maybe you have a nonprofit listening because we love to give back to companies or Yeah, businesses helping music teachers. I love that so much. So very thoughtful of the community and of individuals. So love that. We talked about the Harmony membership. What are other opportunities that we can take advantage of in terms of the things that you offer? Because I don't know if people know that you also offer business coaching and website development too outside of music education. Oh gosh, I do. I do so much, (laughs) probably too much, but yes, I do. In Harmony, there's mentorship going on with like a group setting. We do group calls, but sometimes teachers just want more one-on-one support. So I do one-on-one coaching and I create packages based on what you're actually needing. So when you fill out a Google form, I will look at that email back and forth. What are you needing? So I have a current coaching client and we developed four sessions around what exactly she's needing. Uh, and we're unpacking that together and helping her move forward. But so I do music teacher coaching and I do business coaching because over the years I got asked so many times, how did you start your business? How did you grow your business? How do you, how do I start my own business? So I decided to start offering that as well. And it's been really fun. It's really fun to help uh, people coming to me. And I know that feeling when you're wanting to get something off the ground, but you're not sure how to do it. Um, so yeah, I, I offer both of those things. And now, like I mentioned, I'm getting my master's in educational technology. And I, I love, 
I love creating websites. I've created my own. Um, actually, I've created two websites. I created two websites for others, and um, I I love to do that. So if you want help with anything like that, then yeah, I may not have time in my schedule right now, but I will try. Um, but yeah, I do that kind of work. And then um, I also, like I said, I'm doing curriculum stuff for other companies in a state right now and things like that. But I mean, just reach out if you want to connect and want help in any way. I offer, yeah, I love offering those kind of services too. Yeah, I love that. So many opportunities for you to share what you've learned. Mm-hmm. Love that. So you just mentioned this, but you're getting your master's in educational technology. And I would love to know what one of your takeaways has been from your time in that course of study. You know, what's something that you're like, oh my gosh, I didn't know that. Or, oh yeah, Mm -hmm. I can use that in this way. Mm -hmm. What's really cool about this degree plan and the reason I chose it is because of the fact that it, it, when I looked at the different classes being offered, it really is half technology. Like right now I'm in a class called designing websites. I took a class that really focused on podcasting and things like that, but also how to help kiddos in the classroom. But then also there's a lot of curriculum heavy classes. One right now I'm in is curriculum design. Um, and so, I mean, gosh, I've learned so much, but one of the things that I really love and it's funny because i told my husband this is i didn't realize i did this when i was building out my own curriculum at the school that didn't have anything but is about backwards design and i don't know if this is a term that's familiar to a lot of people but basically it's where you look at the bigger picture and you start planning backwards until you finally have a lesson plan in front of you and one thing that really stood out to me in that class where we talked we talked a lot about curriculum design is when you're backwards planning, you tie assessment in at the beginning before you even plan a lesson plan. And I feel like that's backwards from a lot of what we're taught as, you know, in our teacher education program and in our bachelor's degree is I was taught you create a lesson plan and then you put assessment at the bottom, but you don't really think through why am I planning this assessment? What's the point of it? Is there a reason behind it? And so we really dove deep into not just planning assessment before you lesson plan, but also really thinking about the types of assessments, not not just quizzes or worksheets or busy work. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but making sure the kids are really connecting with what they're learning with higher order thinking and um, more questions and answers. And uh, yeah, so that kind of stuff. It, I love the pulling things out that maybe I already knew or thought I knew, but really helping me think about it in a deeper way. So, yeah. And even yeah. though it's educational technology, mm-hmm. it applies to music education, oh, it yeah. applies to leadership, it applies in so many ways to help people with business coaching, to help people start with the big plan in mind mm-hmm. and bring it down to those simple steps that will get them there. Oh, you absolutely. Know? Yes. Amazing. Okay, one more question before we play this or that. You also are an author. I mean, my gosh, what don't you do? You're so amazing. (laughs) So amazing. So you wrote a book called Make a Note, What Mm -hmm. You Really Need to Know About Teaching Elementary Music. And I've read your book, love your book, and truly believe that everyone should read it. Anyone who's an elementary music teacher or even better, who is about to become a -hmm. music educator. I think it really gives you a glimpse into what you will encounter. What was the book writing process like for you and what did you learn 
as you wrote. Because here you're sharing things that you've learned, but you're mm -hmm. going to learn as you're writing about what you've already learned. Yes. So you learn as you wrote. Yeah. Okay. So the first thing I want listeners to hear me say is don't let fear hold you back from doing something. You know, I already talked about starting a podcast and it was just like, who am I to do this imposter syndrome? I remember when I started my business, like, who am I to do this? This isn't needed. First blog post went out, like nobody's going to read this and nobody did, but I could have given up that day, but it's about continuing going. So when I, I had a book on my heart probably since <laughs> for the last 10 years, I didn't necessarily know it was a book, but I knew just like I knew I wanted to start a blog and I knew I wanted to start a podcast. I always knew it'd be cool to put my story, not just my story, but share helpful information with teachers, but in a way that they could hold in their hands or an ebook. And so I met uh, Dr. Sarah Goulish. I don't even remember honestly how we met, but we met a few years ago. It was when, after she started at Flat Books and we connected. And I remember having a conversation with her. We decided to kind of barter and trade. I was helping her with some entrepreneur stuff and she ended up, I was able to pick her brain about writing a book. And something she said to me really, really stuck with me because I was really, really focused on like, I'm gonna section it out. I gotta have all the headings ready and all the chapters and know what's going in it. And she said, just brain dump. And I was like, what do you mean? <laughs> you know, like, what are you talking? Because when I write a blog post, you section it out. You know what you're putting in each section. And she said, don't worry about what the chapters are. Don't even worry about which chapters are going to be what yet. She goes, in fact, she goes, you could just pull your phone out and record yourself talking and then type it out later. And I went, I think I over always try to overcomplicate things. And when you think back to different projects you've started, you know, you can relate to this is when, when someone tells you to simplify then it all just kind of makes sense. So when she said that, I remember opening my laptop that night. I didn't even know what the book was going to be called yet. I honestly didn't even know what chapters were going to go in it yet. I just decided to start writing. And I started. I just blah, 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 blah. And when I looked at it, I went, oh my gosh, that was kind of easy. I don't know what this is going to be yet. And then I remember the next day opening my laptop and I kept typing. And then I could kind of see, oh, this should be a chapter about this. And I think that original chapter turned into probably chapter three or four. Um, it was not chapter one. But the book writing process for me was a little difficult at first. A, I had never done it. B, I never had thought I was going to do that. Um, and then also the fact that I didn't know. Um, I, th I was trying to overthink it. I was trying to plan it out and map it out like you do a podcast episode. But when I started brain dumping, then I was able to start visualizing what, okay, this is a section. What else would I need teachers to know? And then I started slowly jotting out the chapters and then filling them in, moving that chapter up here. This one went down here, then the editing process. So it was, I don't know what, because Jessica Grant is also an author. And so um, you're on my podcast right now. So I would love for you to talk about, can you relate to that? Or what was the book writing process like for you? <laughs> is it similar to mine? <laughs> Yeah, I, it's funny though because I, my brain thinks very like linear. It's mm -hmm. like this, 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 this. It, 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 I struggle to just brain dump. Like yep. I, I can think, okay, here's my topic. These are things I'm writing, but I, it was really opening the laptop, typing. Yeah, and, or, or like I would have in mind today. I feel like I might have thoughts about, 
you know, the ORF approach today, and I want to explain mm -hmm. this process, or I think I want to talk about time management today, I'm in the right frame of mind, and I would just go start typing things, and then go, you know, of course, yeah. later, but I read a couple of things that helped, and one was to have kind of a word count in mind, because yeah. I thought, okay, I don't know how long my book's going to be, but it, you know, I looked up, like, fiction books should mm -hmm. be this many words or whatever. And so someone's like, oh, I usually try to aim for 350 words a day or something. So I'd be like, okay, that's doable because it's a couple paragraphs or whatever. Mm -hmm. So I didn't worry about editing along the way and more just getting thoughts and getting ideas down. So I guess I brain dumped that way, but it was the consistent, just opening it up and going, I'm going to write something today. Yeah. And but the whole time going, I don't know how this is going to turn into whatever or where this is going. Yes. It's a, I think it's like anything else you go mm -hmm. towards. You just, through the fear and the thinking, I can't do this, you do it anyway. Oh, yeah. And you just go. And my gosh, whose life has Sarah Goolish not changed? I, I know. She is such an influencer and encourager. Mm -hmm. And like her, just the simple things that she'll say where you're like, that was all I needed to actually believe yes. myself and do that. And she's a life changer. Oh, I really, yes. I really do believe. And so I can imagine when you're feeling fearful, well, cause I had mm -hmm, the same experience mm -hmm, where mm -hmm. it's like, all you need is just that little pep talk from her going, you can write this book. Yeah. You've got, you've got a book in you. Yeah you're going to do this. <laughs> yes. Okay. I can do this. You yeah. know? Oh yeah. yeah. She holds you accountable and she's, she's like, they need your book, but why? Yeah. Because it's you. Well, I know, yeah. but what, you know, anyways, what about me? And what I know. Have, yes. But... She's, she's so good at it. And she, she's such a good author too. She can just whip out a book in no time. And I'm sitting here like, is this a chapter? Should I right. pick more of this chapter? <laughs> I don't know. I think it's a chapter. <laughs> yeah, it'll become one at some point. <laughs> right. There you go. But yeah, your book is so what people need for elementary. So thank you. Thank you. So, that means yeah. a lot to me. If you haven't purchased it, it's on Amazon. It's at F flat books. If you want the PDF version, but go buy it. It's amazing. Just amazing. Thank you. So these are short and sweet and I can't wait to see your answers, although I kind of know the answer to like two of them, I think. So, um, so we'll start with location. Do you prefer the beach or the mountains? Okay, so I am so excited. This summer we're going to the beach, and mm -hmm. I try to get to the beach in the summer when we can because we don't live by one. It's about 12 hours away, but I also love the mountains, and I haven't been there in a while either. So I, for me, this question is a both because yeah. – I do love both. <laughs> and this one you already answered, introvert or extrovert? Yes, I'm an introvert, but I come across as an extrovert. And I, I, I think that's probably what people think. <laughs> yeah. Okay, some music questions. Do you prefer classical, pop, rock? I guess it's not a this or that. I'm just asking you your mm -hmm. favorite style of music. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So I have, an, I have a very eclectic taste. And it totally depends on my mood totally depends on if i'm driving and i want to hear something just to get me pepped up that's a word uh, or it depends on if i'm 
you know, it just depends on the mood, what I want to listen to. And I love, I really do love all types of music. I would say probably not so much bluegrass, but <laughs> my dad does. I, I really do. I love all types of music. So I really, I know that sounds like a very generic answer, but I don't have a favorite. I think as a music educator, you and I don't know that I've ever met an educator who's like, I only listen to this one thing. Yeah, right. That might be it. You're just maybe you know, you like to explore, you know, a lot of different options. Yeah. Another music question. If you had to choose, would you rather listen to instrumental music or vocal music? Vocal. I love I love me a good song I can sing to doesn't mean like I am matching the pitch well. It doesn't mean that I am because those of you that have listened, I am an instrumentalist. So I can sing in front of children if I need to, but I am not a singer. But I love to sing in the shower and I love to sing in my car and I will belt it out and hold my, for example, today on the way back home from the dentist with my children, I was singing into a Coke can and they're all looking out the windows like, help me, somebody please save us from this car. (laughs) So, but they know having me as a mom, they don't have a choice. I'm going to sing and they're going to enjoy it. (laughs) You have a song you're listening to right now, either you or your family. That's like, we don't talk about Bruno. I keep calling Uh you. We don't care about Bruno. Mm -hmm. And I don't, I just keep getting the title mixed up and my kids at school are like, what? You know? And I'm like, no, we care. We're just not going to talk about him. But do you have a song that you're listening to? Okay, so at Christmas time, my husband absolutely hates me for this, but Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas Is You is on all the time, and I cannot even get close to hitting those high notes, but my kids even know that song now, and so it's very sad. But yes, I also, I will turn on some 90s pop, just have it blaring in the kitchen when I'm cooking, and we will sometimes, my kids, their daddy has gotten them into rock music, so we'll sometimes turn on the the oldies rock station. I don't know a lot of those songs, but we'll have the oldies rock station on in the car and I say oldies it's probably our generation but whatever they call the oldie station and they love to listen to rock so it's a good time over here with our eclectic taste of music all the time (laughs) I love it okay more apparent question here we do you prefer to do laundry or dishes oh I actually both I, I I know once again it sounds very generic but I hate messiness and I've had to let a lot of that go being a boy and mom of three where we have a lot of grass tracked in our house. I not sometimes like, okay, I'll get to that when I can or the vacuuming. I try to do that at least once a week, twice a week if I can. But for dishes and laundry, that's something I might, it might be my OCD nature have to get done every day or I cannot stand going to bed with dishes in the sink or sometimes there's the occasional pot that needs to soak overnight. But we also, going through so many dishes a day, having five people that live here, we usually have to run the dishwasher every night. With laundry, and this is something that people look at me like I'm crazy when I say this, I try, doesn't always work out this way, but try to do one load of laundry a day from start to finish. I started that not too long ago because it might be every other day actually, because keeping up with it every day is impossible. But I noticed it just kept piling up and I was getting so overwhelmed and my boys as they get older are going through more clothes and they're dirty and two of them are in sports and I was like oh my gosh like I'm living in here and I don't have time to live in here so I I have to even force myself it might be in the morning before day starts that's when the load of laundry goes in 
after school. So when the load of laundry goes in the dryer and then sometime around nighttime, I will fold the stuff. We did maybe don't put it away till the next day, but both. I have to keep up with both or I go crazy. <laughs> wow. Good for you. Um, what about if you get to eat like a favorite food, do you prefer that it's sweet or savory? Okay. Savory. I've always had a salty palate and I used to get in trouble as a kid for putting salt on my food before tasting it. I, and so my family still calls me the queen of salt, um, which is probably not a good thing if you think about it, but I, I love, yeah, I love salty food. Now don't get me wrong. I love me a good bowl of ice cream or some M&Ms now, now and then, but I, if I had a choice, I would probably reach for a salty, savory snack if I could. Chips? Yeah. Are you like big on certain chips? Uh, I, I love puffy Cheetos like a, like a five-year-old. Uh, <laughs> I always have. Uh, I love, yeah, probably puffy Cheetos is my jam. Awesome. Do you get like the orange fingers? Oh, yeah. In fact, <laughs> when I was pregnant with my oldest son, my husband got to the point where he didn't even ask. He would just go to the Dollar General right by our house and get me puffy Cheetos and Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. Those are the only two things I wanted. And so what's funny now, he, my oldest son just turned 12 and he loves puffy Cheetos. And I told him, I'm like, I don't know if there's a correlation, but I'm like, do you realize that's all I ate? <laughs> he was like, so you, were, anyway. you were built from puffy Yes, I know. So yeah, I don't know what the deal is with those chips, but they were created for Jessica. <laughs> and then two more, fiction or nonfiction books? I like nonfiction I, I like me a good fiction story, but there's just something about reading a story that is real, like real, like a real life story. I'm actually a lot of times the opposite of a lot of people, though, where someone's like, I've read this book. And if it's based on a true story, then 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 let's see the movie that's coming out soon. Where a lot of times I don't know it's a book. I'll see a movie and then people are like, oh, did you read the book that goes with it? What? There's a book and then I'll read it after the movie. So I kind of flip flop that. But. Yeah, reads right now. No, you're like <laughs> I, a baby. No, so. I have not had time. I I honestly cannot remember the last book I read that was just for fun. Probably when I'm done with grad school, I'll have more time. But right now, it's let's see. I'm reading professional, um, enhancing professional practice, and what's this one? The art of science of teaching. So those are nonfiction. So yeah, <laughs> your reading life just looks different when you're in grad school. Oh yeah you kind of put certain things on hold. Oh yes, so. definitely. <laughs> Makes sense. Last question. Do you prefer early mornings or late nights? Early mornings. I usually hit a wall right around like probably nine o'clock and maybe eight 30 and I am just done. So, um, What's really interesting, though, is being married to someone who's the total opposite from that. And mornings are very hard for him and they always have been. And we've been married 16 years. It'll be 17 years in July. And I swear, like, I keep thinking he's going to change, but he doesn't. It's like, why does it still bother me when it's been this way since the day we met? But he, but he's a night owl. And I'll be like, please go to bed. I'm so tired to go downstairs. Anyway, so, but I, I can get up really easily. And then when I became a mom and had to wake up with those itty bitty babies, I became even more of a morning person. So, yeah, that's, that's me. I love it totally identify with that. Uh, I'm an early morning. My husband's a late nighter. <laughs> Total opposite thing. I totally get that. I swear married couples. It's like, I don't know any couple who's identical in that area. Yeah. Right. I know. Yeah. It makes it interesting. <laughs> it does. So final 
question and it's pretty generic it's just hopes for the future what do you look forward to seeing happen with i mean you've got your hand in multiple areas mm -hmm. do you have a goal you're moving towards or is it more generic like just continuing to be faithful where you are or do you have something that you're hoping will happen in the future you know yeah yeah well i always keep op options open and so behind the scenes right now i have some conversations going on about some cool projects that might be in the works that i i know that's very vague but will be announced soon but just i'm always looking for opportunities and ways to serve my audience in whatever way that looks like and you know whether it is thinking through podcast episodes that my audience needs or really thinking about what guests to bring on the podcast or what workshops can I present that teachers are really needing and things like that. So there, when it comes to me planning in my business, it's, there are long-term goals, but I like to keep the doors open where what I mean by that is just like focusing on what do I feel like is aligning with me in that moment and then moving forward with that. Sometimes it's quicker. Sometimes it's like a, okay, in two years, I want this to happen kind of thing. Well, I mean, look at five years ago. Mm -hmm. I mean, there was no podcast. Mm -hmm. You hadn't written a book yet. Your mentorship looked different. Your yeah. kids were younger. Your, I mean, who knows? It's hard to forecast that far ahead. But I was, yes. I was just curious. I figured Absolutely. it's it's going to look different for you, but every bit as amazing, if not more so. Yeah. Yeah, it's exciting. It's just, yeah, like imposter syndrome still creeps in and the, oh, I don't know, how much longer can I sustain this? Or what if people just stop listening? And all those fears are natural, but I really think sometimes they're not a bad thing. I think it just, that's what keeps pushing you forward. And when you push those those negative thoughts out of your head and you're like, but no, I don't know if this is the case for you, but I, um, a little bit off topic, but I, well, sometimes if I'm doubting myself or I'm getting in my own head and I'm focusing on me instead of focusing on my listeners, it never fails that I'll get a message out of the blue that either that same day or the next day. Thank you so much for blah, blah, blah episode. And I'm like, oh, okay. So it just reminds you that there's real people listening. It's not numbers to me. It's not stats to me. It's not how much has it grown. It is real people. I know there's real people on the other other end of this listening, and that's what drives me. And so, and that's what's going to continue driving me. It's just serving, even if it's just one person. That's my goal. Well, and that shows in your mm -hmm. vulnerability, in your care, in your thoughtfulness, and how you create your content. Um, it you really do seek out to serve and help, and just you are needed and you matter. So. Mm -hmm. I'm so grateful for all that you do and all that you give us. Well, thank you so much. Well, this episode has been so fun and thank you for interviewing me today. <laughs> oh gosh, it was so fun. It was fun being on the opposite end, but for somebody else. 
Well, hey there. Thank you so much for listening into the Elementary Music Teacher Podcast. There is an exclusive Facebook group just for listeners of this podcast and any elementary music teacher called the Elementary Music Teacher Community Facebook Group. Come on over and join us there where we have conversations around the podcast episodes and encourage each other each and every week. And also head to my website, thedomesticmusician.com. I have some free resources there that you can download to help you gain traction in your classroom today, as well as the blog and the membership site and all kinds of other goodies to help you keep going in your music teaching journey. I cannot wait to keep connecting with you and encouraging you and spurring you on in your journey of teaching elementary music. Hang in there, have an amazing week, and I will see you soon.